it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 4.12 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. Today, we're going to have a practical talk about discipleship, trying to give living examples of how the pursuit of God first can elevate a team to new levels. At times, I am third can seem intimidating. Putting God first might not make sense in some leadership context. In the first half today, we're going to talk with Coach Tongle and have some practical conversation about what that might look like and the role that prayer and fasting has played in our program over the years. In the second half, Tim Adichikasi, Evan Maxwell, and Coach Osborne are going to share about how this practical example this season played out in their own lives and how it lived out practically on the team on the court. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Greg Tonegal, and I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to interview Jeff, uh, and it, it really centered around a key moment in our season where I think things really begin to take off. So, Jeff, kind of bring the listener in on what point of season were we in as a team, but then personally, what were you wrestling with? Yeah, so I, I would say at that moment of the season, I was dealing with what I would call low-grade frustration. So I just had this cloud of frustration over me, and... Uh, it didn't hamper my day-to-day life, but a low-grade fever, you have it every day and it affects you and you always are there, but you can still function. It doesn't keep you in bed. And I just had this cloud of frustration over me. And then as I watched the team, it seemed that way. There there was a, a limit to what we were doing. So we'd gone on a, a five-game winning streak, but we weren't putting teams away. There was another level we could go to. So we were just kind of in this moment where there was, there was something else for me personally and there was something else for the team. So in that moment, um, I'm, I'm sure it's easy to express that, that frustration uh, in a certain way, but what led you uh, to point your frustration not at the players and in a, in a coaching way that maybe limited the potential of the team, but how did you open up new growth and new potential? Well, I think one thing we've learned over time is that often when we're struggling with something spiritually in our own personal life, it may be limiting the people around <laughs> us. So just a pattern that we've developed is the fast. And I just decided, uh, based on the, what you've done, what we've seen in our players, what we've seen in other leaders, rather than just go and vent this frustration to the team, rather than start to complain, I needed to personally in my own life do a fast and just put God first in a very intentional way and ask him if there was something else that, that should be next for me personally before I took it to the team. Here's what's really cool about that. As, as I'm listening, I'm, I'm hearing that there's an integration of, of your faith and what God is doing in your life and what he wants to do in the life of the team. I think sometimes we think, I've got my faith, I've got my job, I don't know how the two intersect. So take the listener in, how did your, uh, your faith journey and what God was doing begin to really intersect the life of the team? Yeah, so uh, one thing we always do at the beginning of the fast is just ask God if there's a, a purpose or, or a scripture or something to root the fast in that we can just meditate on and reflect on. And I was taken to Psalm 126, and I'm not sure I've ever read this psalm before, uh, but for some reason I just landed straight there. So spent significant time in the morning praying and trying to memorize it and meditate on it. And it, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues were filled with 
with songs of joy. And I, I remember how deeply it resonated because I was struggling with frustration. And this was saying there's an element of dreaming and laughter and joy that we should have in our pursuit of God. And I just wasn't experiencing that in my own life. So l- let me pause there because fasting can be a pretty intimidating word. It's almost like it's religiously intimidating. Um, and I think this, people often think of fast, I think, what am I being drawn away from or what can't I have? And I think what we've learned over the years, fasting is not what you're being taken from, but what you're being taken to. What are you being drawn to? So what are you fasting at this moment? Are you talking food? Are you talking social media? Because we've done all kinds of fasts, and I think there's no uh, script for it. Uh, maybe talk to listeners, too, how fasting has shaped our program, and then we'll get back into that psalm. Yeah, so over time, I remember years ago, when we, I think it was Coach Hassan that the first time you challenged us to all take a specific area uh, and of our spiritual lives and do a Devo for the coaching staff and then implement it. And and that year, Coach Hodson did a, a Devo on fasting, and we agreed as a staff together to fast lunch every Monday. So it was one meal a week that we just start there. And there's been times throughout where we've done full-day fast of food. We've done week-long fast of social media. We've done many different things where we're trying to eliminate distraction from our life so we can truly put God first. So I am third is God first, others second. It's not only serving, it's finding intentional ways to put God at the forefront. So in, in various ways, we've tried to do that. And, and like anything else, it's like a muscle where you grow in a specific thing. So when we first started fasting one meal, I thought I was going to die because I didn't eat for three hours. Where <laughs> now as that's grown, you know, it was a several day fast from from food where um, during those meal times, there was just time to intentionally focus on prayer and, and Bible study. And again, years ago, I could never have done something like this, but over time that muscles developed and, and that was the direction that I was led to as, as I pursued this fast. So you say no to food, but what you're saying yes is, God, I want you to speak to our team. We're not where we're at. There's something greater for our team. And, and during this, God takes you to Psalm 26 and he lays this, this idea that, that each of us have a dream, and uh, there's a dream for our program. So then you stand before the team, and how do you present this? Yeah, so it, the fast had started on a Monday, and, and Monday, Tuesday, just in my own personal life, I just felt challenged, this concept of dream time. It's something that's been in our program, but again, it was put before me, and I, for two days, I was just asking God, what, what's a dream time for me for this season? Spiritually, how can I get out of this frustration so I can coach out of joy and I can coach in freedom? And over a couple of days, I, I felt like God was leading me in a direction. Well, then that led to Wednesday when I had the scout for Huntington that weekend and just felt, hey, if this is something God's doing in my heart, we need to put this in front of the team. So a lot of times a key to the game might be plus 10 rebounding. A key to the game might be transition defense. But this key was very spiritual in nature, and, and we called it dream time. So the key to the game was dream time, and, and we just had guys take some time to to think about what their dream was for the team. So how could we lift the horizons of who we were as a team and go to another level? But like anything else, uh, just thinking about that does no good if we don't put action behind it. So we said, first you're going to dream, and then we're, when they were done, we did what we called an end one. So now let's share our dream with a teammate, and as a teammate shares his dream, What's one thing you're going to do to help him achieve that dream? So one player may have stood up and said his dream was uh, to go to another level shooting. Another teammate would say, hey, I'm going to, my end one is for the next week, every day I'm going to go in the gym with you and help you get those shots up. So we weren't only dreaming, we were then putting action steps behind them as a team. So if I remember right, we're on the road at Huntington. 
this is the key. Maybe talk to the listeners about how you saw this play out. Yeah, so over the next couple of days, what was amazing was our guys, first they were lifting the horizons of who they thought they could become personally as a team, but then they were serving each other and doing things together as a team. And over the next three days of practice, there was an energy that developed in practice because they were intentionally looking for these ways. I, I know Tim and Evan, uh, they were two that were matched up. And Evan was talking about his dream was just to have fun and find joy in his season. And Tim said, every time I see you not having that, I'm going to come encourage you and give you energy. And those were the type of things that were elevating our team. So then we go into the game. And like we said, we've been waiting for the team to go to another level and put someone away. And from the tip of that game, we just went to another level. And it might have been the only game in our program history where every four-minute segment we won. And it just kept coming in waves where we'd win for four minutes, but there was no lull, and we just kept coming and kept coming. And we ended up winning that game by 36 points. And from the tip, we had just gone to another level. So I think this this is an example for, for all the coaches out there that this is what I'm third coaching look, looks like. When you are attentive to what God is speaking to you, but then you're able to translate that to the basketball court. That's not easy, but I'm not sure there's a more enjoyable thing in coaching when God's word becomes live and active within our locker room. Now, here's the problem, though. Let me play the devil's advocate. A lot of the coaches and a lot of the listeners we talk to aren't at Christian schools. They're in public schools. So how is this applicable to what they may be doing if they still want to be an I am third coach in that uh, context. Well, I, I think it's something you've talked about in this podcast is we don't view discipleship as a Bible study. Now, we want our guys sitting in the Bible, but discipleship is more about our intentional pursuit of God and then how that rubs off on other people. So you said recently in a, in a speaking engagement how you don't have to advertise a fire. A fire advertises itself. And when we personally can go to another level spiritually and then transition that into our leadership— we see the impact it has. So that takes us to the funnel. And we've talked about this funnel concept where we can take a word that God is speaking to us in our own life, and then we transition that into the way we are speaking to our players, the drills we're running in practice, and then we see that come to life in them. So take dream time. If we use the word dream time out of Psalm 126, but we didn't reference it as Psalm 126. It could still be part of our leadership. And I think that's what you're asking. And maybe you could speak more. How can these words take, take fearless, take joy? They're not just words. They're things God are doing in our own hearts personally as leaders. And then it's becoming part of the leadership of, of the people we're in charge of. Absolutely. I'm a big believer. You can only shape people to the degree and the way in which you are being shaped. So if you want to be an influential leader, in the coach, especially in the coaching realm, just focus in on how God is shaping and molding you. And naturally that comes out that spiritual growth is infectious. And when you're somebody who's on fire, as you talked about, you don't have to advertise that fire advertises itself. And so I think part of our excitement right now through this greater movement and through the I am third movement is we're connecting with coaches who are hungry, who are on fire themselves. And that is spreading. That's spreading in locker rooms. That's spreading in athletic departments. And uh, it's just about, once again, shaping people. <clears throat> excuse me. It's, once, it's about shaping people in the ways that you're being shaped. And I, I want to finish asking you this question, making a point and then allowing you to speak into it. You know, we, we heard this years ago where discipleship is less about the dissemination of information and more about the transfer of spiritual power and authority. And I think maybe 10 years ago, we thought if we could find the best Bible study to give to our guys 
and then we could take them through and have them fill in the blanks, then we'd be doing discipleship. Where now it seems like when prayer and when fasting and when personal pursuit of God, putting God first, transitions to, to our leadership, that's when we see true spiritual transformation in the lives of our guys. So it's not that the Bible study is bad, and we don't want to speak <clears throat> negatively about that because we do drive our guides towards that. But in a, in a non-Christian setting, that might not be possible. So speak to that coach who's hearing this. He's always thought, well, if I could just – I can't teach my players the Bible, so I can't bring discipleship into my leadership. Speak to that coach and just say, what's up some practical ways they could move forward to really try to influence people for Christ without being able to – take them through the, the book of Psalm 126 line by line. Well, one of the things I love about coaches is they're learners. And the, probably the most popular question, I think, in coaching in the offseason is what books are you reading? And I think that's great. But my response is always, I'm, I'm reading something in the Bible. And I think you have to be somebody who, who, who develops that habit of living in the Word. We often talk about the bookends of our day. I've tried to make it a habit, and I'm far from perfect in this, but the last thing my eye sees my eyes see before they go to bed is the word. And the first thing they see when they wake up is the word. So I'm bookending my day with God's word. So then when I'm talking to my players or I'm praying over a scouting report, I've saturated my life with his word and it, it's intersecting every single aspect of my lives, of my life, excuse me. So I would just encourage coaches to just be somebody who is spending time in the word or spending time in prayer. You don't have to come up with uh, a Bible study for your team on how to pray, grab a player before practice, before a game, and pray with them. That's far more um, impactful than, than trying to teach them something. Maybe you don't have to um, teach them uh, the Bible itself, but just grab it, read it, or memorize it, and you'd be surprised at how God will use that to begin to shape them uh, through your coaching. It reminds me of one of my favorite stories from a, a high school coach in a public setting who had gone back and been at the greater conference and in prayer had just felt he needed to take another step towards discipleship and uh, his principal and him were having a conversation about what he was allowed to do and not allowed to do and he, he couldn't do a bible study he couldn't do a team prayer time but he just said well can i just individually pray for my players and the principal was like well i can't tell you what you can and can't think about and the principal didn't necessarily believe in the power of prayer but the coach did and it led to some impactful moments throughout the season where he saw leverage points for his players where he could speak words of life into them in specific moments based on prayer. So when we come back, we're going to bring a couple players on who uh, felt dream time, experienced it, did N1, and just hear what impact it had on them as, as players who are part of it. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture and a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. 
We're joined now by Coach David Osborne, Evan Maxwell, and Tim Adetukasi. And we're going back to a time in the locker room where our team went to another level. And we talked to Coach Tungle in the first half about some of the details. But I want to bring these guys in because they were there and they experienced. So let's start with you, Coach Osborne. As a coach, we try to be really intentional about joining our guys in everything, whether it's workouts, prayer times. We want to be going alongside it and experiencing it with them. So we, we have this time of worship where we go deeper in Psalm 126, and we're really seeking out a dream for a teammate. What do you personally remember about that time? Yeah, we just had the challenge of, okay, take some time to pray and, and reflect on who it is and or maybe what it might be that you want to really be intentional about moving forward. And for me, as I'm sitting there thinking about it, the, the seniors come in mind, you kind of realize as the season starts to progress that you have a limited amount of time left with these guys. And for me, Joel was one of those guys that I, I really wanted to make sure that this last go around, we were really spending quality time together. And so as I'm kind of going through this and reflecting, it was, hey, how can I be intentional with pouring into Joel, whether it's through film, whether it's through getting meals together, just intentional time with one another. Um, so that was kind of my focus and something that I think my heart was burdened for as we kind of had that time together. And, and I resonate deeply because I remember for me, it was really Evan and Seth just because Evan was a senior and there had been such a burden to connect those guys on deeper levels. So Evan, if you can recall from that, we just started meeting the three of us on Fridays and we would shoot and we'd pray together. What do you remember about those times? Um, I just remember it being a super special time, like through the course of the year, um, obviously it's unique because I had my brother on the team and time was winding down, so how to take advantage of that. And then also, you and I have had a special relationship throughout my whole time here. Um, and so it was really cool. I just remember I remember one specific time um, just getting really emotional and Seth pouring his heart out. And just through times like that, I mean, it was fun to bond over shooting around and get to see that you kind of still have a little bit of the stroke too. <laughs> um, but, but those talks and prayer, like, that's stuff that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, and I was able to see my brother in a different way. I, I actually will be talking about this in an upcoming episode, a, a game-winning three-pointer you hit. And I remember the day before we'd been having a shoot-off, and you just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I went to the coaches and like, man, Evan has deep range. And then you hit like a 26-footer to win the game the next day. But then the, the prayer time as well was was really meaningful. But back to, to you, Coach Osborne, because um, I think you, you really hit something on the head. We saw a lot of these – relationships specifically from this prayer time go forward not just for the next week because we said okay you want to dream for a teammate but we don't just dream we don't just pray we then go and do something so we wanted to have an and one mentality where there's one thing we want to be called to do every day for this person and many of these didn't just carry forward for the the next week but through the rest of the year what do you remember seeing from the team as you watch them yeah it's one of the ways I've been challenged too by being here is just the intentionality like when we say we're going to do something just really trying to commit to that and one that really stood out to me again I'm sitting there and really reflecting on these seniors and I got a huge heart for Trevor Waite and just his story that's unfolding in his time here but um, we also have Trevor Harrell on the team as well and Trevor Harrell is one of those guys that's just all in he's bought in and he stars in his role and um, Trevor Wade had been shooting it really, really well. I think he was in the top 10 in the country in terms of three-point percentage at the time. And uh, Trevor, Trevor Harrell said, hey, listen, my and one is I'm going to see whatever I can do to make Trevor be the best three-point shooter and maybe even lead the country in three-point percentage. And uh, he just committed in that moment to, to do whatever he could, whether it's rebounding before the game or be, rebounding in practice. 
uh, and just kind of make a bond for those two guys moving forward. And we saw that play out through every pregame throughout the rest of the season into the national tournament. Um, and Trevor just finished his senior year just shooting it at a really high rate. Um, and, man, the guy wasn't backing down from anything and was playing fearless basketball, which is what you want from your seniors. And I remember those guys continued to connect long after that week. But each guy picked another. So Trevor Waite had Trevor Harrell pouring into him. But then Trevor Waite picked somebody too. Yes, and Trevor Trevor actually picked Grant Smith, who we're going to talk about this game. We go into the Huntington game, and we absolutely were clicking on all cylinders. And, and Trevor Waite was just saying, hey, what can I do to pour into Grant? And Grant ends up going off for a triple-double that game. I think the first one that we've ever had here under Coach Tonegal's era, maybe ever in the school's history. Um, and, again, you just saw, again, you get so much more when you're pouring into somebody else versus when somebody else is just pouring in or when you're just um, focusing on yourself. So it was really special to see all that play out. So let's move to the game, Coach Osborne, because I do want to hear from both Evan and Tim a little bit more specifically. But what we just had on our heart was a dream time to lift our horizons because we were winning games now. We'd come out of a losing streak. But there was another level the team could go to. And we thought maybe that there, there was something spiritual in nature that was keeping us from going to that level. And, and we pray and we have these N1s. And we're investing each other in new ways. A lot of guys, they're not just rebounding for each other. They're going deeper in, in prayer and in the word. Then we get to the game. What happened? Man, again, it was we were clicking on absolutely all cylinders. Uh, I think we shot 60% from the floor of that game. And there was just a sense of freedom and fearlessness and just guys playing for one another that whole entire game. Uh, we ended up winning by, I think it was 40. We put up 105 on the road which were never done before. Um, and these guys just, again, I think when you get into it, we've been playing a bunch of ranked opponents, uh, and you start to maybe focus in on just having to get a win. And in that time, it kind of shifted from what are we doing just to get a win to what are we doing for our teammates and what are we doing um, that's more than basketball. And when you kind of let all of that go, uh, we saw the guys just go to a new level and kind of reach the potential. That's what coaches want, right? You want to reach the potential. You just don't want to win games. You want to reach the absolute potential. I saw. I think we saw for the first time, maybe in a while, this team reached their potential. One of the things I remember about that was we won every single four-minute stretch in that game, which is almost impossible to do in basketball because it's a game of runs. But every time we'd send guys back out from the, the four-minute media timeouts and we'd wonder when Huntington was going to go on a run because they're a good team. They, they played us to a three-point game at our place, and they had a lot of firepower, but we just kept coming in wave after wave, and it never let down. And there was just this energy and excitement on the bench. And I, I think, Tim, you, you symbolize that a lot because uh, you're in a tough spot being uh, far away from home. You're not allowed to play because you're in a redshirt year, but you were able to find joy and life on the bench. And I remember specifically in that game – we're going to get to what you did with Evan, but first, what was it like being on the bench during that game? I think it was like just electric. You just you just feel the energy from each uh, player watching and just like on the court as well. There was just a feeling of oneness, you know, just a drive to win the game, a drive to play to your best for the guy next to you, you know, just for yourself. So, so let's go back to the locker room because Evan was the guy you were praying for. Yeah. And you were looking for a dream. And... Uh, go back to what specifically, as you prayed, you got this sense that you had to, to try to help Evan get to. What was the end one you were going to deliver for him? I think it was uh, just being basketball players. We get so caught up with just, you know, trying to play, play our best every single time we play. And, you know, with that drive to just be the best, we kind of sometimes if we don't meet up to our expectation, 
we kind of um, we don't reach our you know we don't reach our goals sometimes, and that can kind of disappoint us, which then leads to us kind of losing love for the game. Which is, you know, you want to be motivated whenever you play. You want to have love for the game whenever you play. So I think I just wanted Evan to kind of go back to and start to remember why he play, started playing this beautiful game in the first place. Because once you love what you do, there's no stopping you, really. And, and I remember when you talked in the locker room and you were talking about joy in the game. Yeah. And you were saying your heart's passion was going to be to help Evan find joy in the game. And, yeah. and the end one was... Anytime you came to a huddle, you were going to give him energy. So rather than you say, how can I give energy to draw attention to myself? It's how can I do it to invest in my teammates? So, Evan, what was that like to go into a game knowing you had a guy like Tim who was just focused on giving you that energy? Um, well, I mean, a guy like Tim is, like, designed to give energy, honestly. <laughs> um, if, you, if you know him, you know that's true. Um, so it was really special to have him be the guy, be the guy motivating me. Um, and like he said... He just brought me back to why I played the game in the first place. And um, looking back on this year and thinking about how much um, I would, how intentional I was about um, my identity and how going into the season I, I was feeling a lot of that stuff. Like now that stats are here and whatever, I don't want to get wrapped up in my identity being in basketball. And I remember that specific game. Um, I went in with a paint mentality, and um, I think. I might have scored like 20 points in the first half or something. I think you had like uh, 18 then, in the first 10 okay. minutes. <laughs> um, but I mean, with that, like, I think old Evan would have been like, well, now I got to go for 40. I got to shoot it every single time. And I might not have scored in the second half, but I didn't even notice it because <laughs> I was playing for the right reasons. And I didn't fall in love with this game just to score 40 points in a game. It was for the relationships and it was for the people. And so Tim reminding me of that gave me joy and fuel in that game that couldn't come from any other place. It couldn't come from the amount of points I was scoring or, or what I was doing on the court. It just came from the joy that I was seeing in, in the faces of my teammates and just us playing so well. It was like I couldn't even think about myself. I was just thinking about the team. And Psalm, Psalm 126 is about, uh, there's a line there that says, we were like those who dreamed. And it led to hearts being filled with joy and mouth being filled with laughter. And I, I remember as we read that, there was just this sense as much as you want the game to always be fun, it's a long season mm -hmm. and it can be a grind. And there's times where you just don't have that joy. And we were reminded as coaches, no, let's let our guys dream again. Let's let them just find joy and have fun. And to see that come to life in you in that game, there's a lot of joy as a coach. I don't know why as many years as, as we do this, you, you think you'd remember but every year there's a point in the season where you're just like, man, we just got to get back to dreaming. And we got to get back to lifting our eyes off of where we're at now and thinking about who we can become. And, and it was one of those moments. Now, I remember you had a specific guy. What, what happened between you two? Um, I had Luke Stevens. And I just remember like the moment that um, I knew he was my, my and one guy, the guy I was going to focus on. It was kind of an interesting situation because I'm a senior, he's a freshman. I'm a starter, he doesn't play. He's faced all these injuries and all this stuff. And so it was like, where can I connect with this guy? How can I dream for this guy? Um, and I was talking to him, it just became clear that God brought us together for spiritual growth. And that was something that he was seeking and I was seeking. And that was my dream that I saw for him is a guy who would be on fire and just seeing maybe down the road what he could do on the court. But in the short term, it was like, how can we, how can we grow and build this? And so um, I just remember diving into the word with him during that week. But what stands out more was it just became a tradition. Every away game on the bus, 
we would text each other and say, hey, let's read this passage. We'd read it on our own, and then I'd either go up to him, he'd come back to me, and we'd spend 10 minutes just talking about it, um, laughing, joking around, getting to know each other a little bit better, but mainly just diving into the Word um, and growing spiritually. And I just remember, I mean, looking back, it's it's so random. I mean, to think an 18-year-old kid, a 23-year-old <laughs> guy, you know, totally different situations on this team, but God brought us together in a really unexpected way for us to grow on the same level. And I, I just think that's awesome. I mean, just by looking at us, I'm 6'10", he's six foot, six two, or whatever, like you would never think we have anything in common. But yet when we were talking and growing in those areas, we were on the same same level right then, and, and God really allowed us to grow through that. And it, it was really fun to watch how many of these N1s didn't just last a week. It wasn't just an assignment, but they came to life and it led to, to depth in relationships. And all season long, we've been talking about how important deep relationships are and in, in, in authentic relationships are in our locker room. And it was another reminder, allowing your guys to dream and find joy isn't just about a coach giving a great speech or saying the right words. A lot of times it's way more effective when teammates can have deep relationships and trust each other, then they can go to new levels and the team can as well. In our next episode, we're going to go inside an upset. After the Huntington game, the team won the next six games by an average of 15 points. But in early February, got upset by a team that was 0-13 in the conference. In the first half, we're going to talk to Kane and Coffey about what it's like as a player as the team begins to tighten up. And in the second half, we're going to hear from Coach Tonigal about what's going through a head coach's mind in a game like that, how it's possible for it to happen, and how as a coach he's trying to reverse the tide when things aren't going well. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iwoohoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.